As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. This is Tuvalu, an island country home to less than 12,000 people with an output of just $63.1 million, which makes this economy smaller than a lot of department stores. There are individual people in the world that have a larger economic output than Tuvalu, but that alone is not what makes it so interesting. This tiny country is only getting smaller. At its highest point, it's 4.6 metres above sea level, and the average height of the islands that make up this tiny nation is only 2 metres above sea level. Sea levels around the country have been increasing by an average of 3.9 millimetres per year, which might not sound like much, but it builds up quickly over decades. With seasonal tides and regular weather activity combined with the country's low height, large tracts of land are going to become uninhabitable as they periodically get flooded by water from the ocean. Even if the country doesn't disappear completely, it could very quickly become uninhabitable for its 12,000 citizens as freshwater supplies and farmlands are poisoned with salt water overflowing from the ocean. This is impacting an economy that is already very poor. Tuvalu has a GDP per capita which is half that of the global average. It's a last resort, but if trends continue, the islands and the country itself will need to be abandoned. The country is simply not wealthy enough to endlessly deal with the problems caused by the ocean making large parts of an already remote and desolate archipelago even more uninhabitable. Almost a hundred times on this channel, we've explored nations and used the term economy more or less interchangeably with country. But what does an economy look like if those borders have been abandoned? Tuvalu is an extremely interesting, albeit tragic, case study into the extremes of what an economy really means and who it's there to serve. So, what is Tuvalu doing to develop its economy? Is there any hope for it to get around these problems? And finally, what happens to an economy when its country no longer exists? Once we have done all of that, we can put Tuvalu, the smallest national economy in the world, on the Economics Explained national leaderboard. Despite the challenges Tuvalu is facing, sinking into the ocean being the big one, the tiny economy has developed some rather ingenious industries to provide it with foreign income so that it can afford basic necessities. Tuvalu is incredibly remote and only has a tiny port which is unsuitable for large container ships which means getting anything to the country is very expensive. Tuvalu's economy is highly dependent on global oil prices. Not because of heavy industry or a lot of people driving, the country is really too small for both, but because almost all manufactured items need to be shipped on small boats all the way from Australia. By the time the small boats get there, they would have burnt an average of 30,000 litres of diesel to make the trip. When massive container ships make similar journeys, they obviously burn much more fuel, but the cost can be spread over thousands of containers. The average ship bringing cargo to Tuvalu carries around 10 containers. There just isn't enough demand or large enough port infrastructure to handle anything more. 30,000 litres of marine diesel can cost $60,000 alone, which is $6,000 per container before including the crew, the maintenance of the ship and the profit of the shipping company. From Brisbane to Tuvalu, the average quote that we got for a standard 40-foot shipping container was 15,000 Australian dollars, which is roughly 10,000 US dollars. Despite the fact that the economy is relatively poor, the cost of living in Tuvalu is very high, especially when factoring in imported essentials like medicine, technology and a lot of food, since the country doesn't produce much itself. 
The country has to get that money from somewhere, and one of its biggest foreign revenue sources has historically been sending its people to work on ships. Tuvalu and sailors have become especially popular with German shipping companies. Their natural affinity to the sea and low salary expectations make them highly desirable crew members on container ships and recreational cruise liners. Their salaries may not be high by Western standards, but they have their food and accommodation provided, which means that they can send almost all of this foreign income back home to their families. Tuvalu has its own currency, but it's used more or less interchangeably with Australian dollars, and they are pegged at a rate of 1 to 1, which lets residents send money easily from abroad and also lets the country purchase essentials easily from the much larger economy. Another interesting source of foreign income that Tuvalu has developed came about recently almost entirely by luck. Twitch.tv is one of the largest video streaming sites in the world. Most people would reasonably presume that the .tv stands for television, a widely used acronym for broadcast entertainment. However, Twitch.tv actually stands for Twitch.tuvalu. Every country in the world has a URL country code. The USA has .us, Australia has .au, Great Britain has .gb, it's just that Tuvalu's happens to be really useful for companies that want an entertainment themed web address. Third-party companies that sell domains pay Tuvalu $5 million a year to offer this extension to their customers, like Twitch. In any regular economy, this wouldn't really be worth mentioning, because $5 million is not going to have any impact on output measured in billions or even trillions of dollars. But in Tuvalu, the smallest national economy in the world, this little bit of luck accounts for more than 10% of their entire GDP. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You might think, given its tropical beaches and coral reefs, that the country would be a major tourist destination. But in reality, it's one of the least visited countries in the world. It only has one tiny airport, and flights only take place eight times a week. Most of the time, the country's international airport is used as a football field. Getting there is extremely expensive and offers no real points of difference against the much cheaper and more established Fiji. The country does have hotels, but they're not exactly the kind of accommodation that's going to attract people from across the world looking for a luxury getaway. The final major component of Tuvalu's economy is foreign aid. Australia and New Zealand specifically offer a lot of development assistance to the tiny island because of their close relationship and common cultural heritage. To Australia and New Zealand, the roughly $8 million a year they provide in assistance is not going to make any difference to their government budget, but it makes a big difference to Tuvalu. The arrangement is not entirely one-sided either. Australia particularly gets a lot out of maintaining this close economic relationship. Tuvalu works closely with the Australian Defence Force to perform maritime operations in a strategic part of the Pacific Ocean. And the Australian Pacific Seasonal Workers Program allows Tuvaluans to come to Australia to work. 
mostly in the cotton and sugarcane harvesting industries. It's tough work, but it's not that different from most of the work done on the island, but it does pay a lot better, providing Tuvalu with yet another source of foreign income and Australia with workers to do the jobs that us regular lazy Australians don't really want to do. As idyllic as the country may look with its tropical beaches, crystal clear blue water and flowing palm trees, it's important to remember that this is still an undeveloped country. The people of Tuvalu have the same issues with poverty as a lot of countries in sub-Saharan Africa. Tuvalu actually lobbied to maintain its classification as a less developed country in 2015, because if it graduated to a developing country, it would lose a lot of the services and programs that the UN provides. There are undeveloped economies in the world that squander their opportunities through corruption or economic mismanagement. Tragically, some of the poorest countries on earth are the richest in natural resources. They just don't have the systems in place to capitalise on this wealth. Tuvalu, on the other hand, does have a solid democracy and corruption is pretty low. It just lacks any of the resources that could make it a developed economy. Even if the economy was managed perfectly, it doesn't have any natural resources, it's too remote to trade effectively, and it just doesn't have enough people to make any industries viable beyond subsistence. Tuvalu has proposed a number of solutions to deal with the problem of it sinking into the ocean. One of the most effective things they can do is simply make their problems visible on the world stage in an attempt to slow down and eventually reverse rising sea levels. But the more direct solutions like building a giant seawall, dredging additional landmass, or even building a floating islands are all going to cost too much for the tiny economy to afford. So what happens to an economy when its country is abandoned? Tuvalu is probably still a few decades away from needing to be abandoned and it's not something that's going to happen overnight but already it's becoming less and less viable for people to live there. Ocean water is making its way into freshwater supplies, so crop yields have been steadily declining. Overfishing of surrounding waters has also meant that the Tuvaluans haven't been able to catch as many fish for themselves, cutting down on their main source of food and their biggest self-sufficient industry. Tuvalu is not going to be abandoned overnight, but its capacity to economically support people, even with very basic living standards, is going to continue to decline and citizens are going to move out to find better living standards in neighbouring countries like Fiji or the comparatively major economic centres in New Zealand and Australia. Long before it ever gets washed away into the ocean, it will just lose the ability to be a functioning economy. The people living and working to improve the lives of themselves and their country will stop well before that. Some plans have proposed recreating the island in virtual reality, but realistically that was just an attempt to grab headlines and bring attention to this country's desperate situation. For a culture that is built so strongly around community and a connection to their land and the ocean, it's not going to be an easy step to take. But in the coming decades, the country is probably going to need to relocate to other islands in the region or land in places like Australia. The government has maintained that this is the last resort, but it might be a better alternative to losing the community entirely. Okay, now it's time to put Tuvalu, the world's smallest economy, on the Economics Explained national leaderboard. Starting as always with size, Tuvalu has a GDP of just $63.1 million, which means it produces less economic output than a lot of office buildings. As the single smallest economy in the world, it can only get a 0 out of 10. That tiny output figure is produced by a tiny population with very limited resources in uncompetitive industries. Even though Tuvalu only has a population of 12,000, its GDP per capita is still only $5,632, which is roughly half of the global average. It gets a 3 out of 10. Stability and confidence is fine. It's 
obviously tiny with no real diversity of industry and there are real threats to its economic and, well, general future, but it has a democratically elected government, strong relationships with powerful allies and a very low debt to GDP ratio, so Tuvalu gets a 6 out of 10. Growth has also been pretty strong. The economy has roughly doubled in size in the last decade thanks to working deals it's made with Australia and New Zealand and those revenues it gets from licensing the .tv domain. But growth is growth and Tuvalu gets a 10 out of 10. Finally, industry. There isn't much to say here. When most of a nation's economy depends on its people doing work abroad, it can't get anything other than a 0 out of 10. Altogether, that gives Tuvalu, the smallest economy in the world, an average score of 3.8 out of 10, which does put it all the way down here on the leaderboard, but it's punching above its weight. Thanks for watching, mate. Bye.